I was upset. I didn't think I had what it takes. It took a while to admit anything was wrong. Diet and exercise sounded intimidating. But small easy goals made it easy to start. Every situation is different. There are many paths to victory, but the end goal is all the same. This is the Weight Loss Podcast with Matt and Courtney, a couple who committed to a strategy and lost a combined 100 kilograms. When it comes to weight loss, you don't just need encouragement, you need a strategy. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Weight Loss Podcast. My name is Courtney and next to me, as always, is Matt. Hello. How are you, Matt? Me? Mm. This Matt? This Matt. I'm fantastic. How are you, wife? Pumped. Pumped for another episode? I would say I am ready to go. The game face <laughs> is on. Um, I, I'm wearing my, my hard work pants. <laughs> I'm pretty pumped, to be honest with you. Why? It also might be because we raced each other this morning and I kicked your ass. Woo woo! How do you feel about that, Matt? silence hello and welcome to the weight loss <laughs> podcast uh my name is matt and i host the show by myself he's a really sore loser really 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 sore loser so <laughs> that is fun fact about matt he's a really sore loser and we raced this morning we went out and did a run it was our cardio day and we went out and did a run and we timed ourselves as well as raced each other and i won and I shaved two minutes off my PB, and he don't want to talk about it because he's a sore loser. But I'm ecstatic. So it's been a great day, and I'm pumped for the podcast. <laughs> Hello, you're listening to the Weight Loss Podcast. Uh, my name is Matt. I've been the host of this show since day one. Um, I'm here today to talk about women who have no business rubbing it into their husbands when they're getting assistance on things. Um, and I've got a special guest here with me today, uh, my wife, Courtney. Courtney, how are you? Pumped. Do you, so, know, what, do you want to know why I'm pumped? <laughs> so we're here, Courtney, to talk about how you're a bad winner. <laughs> anyway, just putting that out there because I'm super pumped, but... That isn't actually why we're doing this podcast today. The reason we're doing this podcast today is to talk about a topic that I don't think is talked about very often. Matt, would you agree? Can I just say, you ran very well this morning. I smashed it. You did very well. Almost died. Like, I literally almost cried. You, you paid for it. At the end of, of it because my legs were in so much pain and I couldn't breathe and I literally almost cried. You did very well, dear. Very, very good. But I was stoked. I think the cars, as they were driving past, were looking at me thinking like, she might be dying. <laughs> but but no one stopped the help. No one stopped. <laughs> so it was Welcome like to 2018. <laughs> no one gives a shit. But yes, thank you. Um, pretty wrapped with that. But anyway, we are here to talk about a issue that is brought up to us often. But it's an issue that no one really talks about. No one really knows how to talk about it. Hang on, it. hang on. You just said it's brought up to us often, but no one really talks about it. Well, it's brought up to us in private often, um, but I don't see a lot of people openly discussing this. So maybe it's time we started the movement. I think it might be. But the the topic of this this episode. What are we talking about? We've been blithering on for three and a half minutes. Well, and you just interrupted me. Point. I was just about to say it. 
the topic of this episode is about the things about our bodies that we can't change. We wish we could. There's plenty that we can, but there are a few things that potentially you really hate about your body that you may never be able to change. Okay, so would you like to give some examples on this one? I think that the biggest example that I hear often, probably the two biggest examples I hear really often are stretch marks and cellulite. Mm. Um, Matt, you can tell me whether males feel the same way, but I know with females, when they confide in me about these things, they often are the two biggest issues that women have with their bodies. Apart from not being the size or the shape that they'd like to be, But the second thing I find a lot of the time a lot of women have really struggle with are stretch marks or cellulite. Mm -hmm. I think when we start to talk about losing a lot of weight as well, for a lot of women, the fear of excess skin comes into things as well. Now, that can be a realistic fear. Sometimes for some people it can be uh, not a realistic fear. Well, for... I suppose we'll sort of have a bit of a deeper mm. dive into that particular topic as this episode plays out. Um, but the the loose skin side of things, in some instances, is almost guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, depending on the starting point, uh, but also depending on the methodology uh, used to lose the weight. But we'll get into that. Correct. Correct. But I, th- I think those sort of tend to be the three biggest ones that I see. So we all know when we decide that we want to lose weight, we, we often have an idea in our minds of what we'd like to look like. A, a body shape, a certain size. Um, a celebrity on Instagram. <laughs> try not to do that one. Um, I want to look like that fitness chick that only has perfect photos. Yeah, don't do that one. But often, uh, well, I know... We encourage people when they're setting their goals to pick an item of clothing that they used to be able to fit into and really like to fit into again or pick an item of clothing that they do fit into but are unhappy with the way they look in it and they'd like to look better in that item of clothing. Or, yeah, for a lot of people it comes down to a way that they used to look in um, years ago that they'd like to get back to. Maybe it's before babies or, you know, so on and so forth. But there's there's... Certain things about us that we then look at, like cellulite, like stretch marks, where we for a lot of women, it's a really, really big mental battle to look at themselves in the mirror and they're changing their body shape. They may even have changed their body shape. They're, they're, they're stoked with the way that they look in terms of their shape, in terms of their size. They've got back to the size that they wanted to be or their... They're in that dress that they were in before, but it fits completely differently and they're stoked about it. But then they look at themselves naked or in a bikini and they're still really unhappy because mentally all they see are the stretch marks or the cellulite um, that's there. and Or other areas they're unhappy with. Uh, other areas. you can speak to. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, and I, uh, I'm yet to, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but... As far as I'm aware, there's no cure for cellulite. There's a lot of stuff out there that says that it cures cellulite. I've not come across one female yet that has come to me saying, hey, I did this and my cellulite's completely gone. But I bet you'd like to hear it. Um, it would be amazing. I'm sure for a, for a lot of women, I can say that 
personally speaking, it's never been something that I have overly been fussed about. But then at the same time, I don't have a lot of it. I have very, very minimal cellulite on my legs um, and buttock area. So it's never been a big thing for me. So I can't judge and say, I don't know why it's an issue because there's women out there who unfortunately have a really lot of it. And I can understand how then mentally it would still be a real struggle to be able to have that confidence in yourself and your body when you're still seeing parts about yourself that you're really unhappy with, especially when no one can tell you how to fix that. So we can write you a gym program and we can educate you on nutrition and we can change your body shape, but there's no sort of anything that we can say to say, hey, do this and your stretch marks and your cellulite will disappear. So that can be really hard if that's something that you're really struggling with mentally that can be a really hard thing to accept can you give some personal examples here of things that you've dealt with or worked on dealing with that you actually can't change yeah I think for me just the way my body shape is built and I know we can say that we you can change your body shape and you can but at the same time every person is built a certain way So I tend to be top heavy. So I tend to be, I think it's what they call like apple shaped, maybe a little bit more apple than hourglass shaped. So I obviously have quite a large bust. So I carry a lot of extra bulk up top. I've Hmm. always carried whenever I've gained weight, it's always been on my waist up. So my stomach, my Not your hips or your legs. chest, no. And that tends to be the place that I lose the weight first, which is obviously the place that I care about least. Um, so that's frustrating. And that's not something that I can control. It's just the way my body is made up. So I can over time change my body shape, but it's not going to happen in the order that I'd love it to happen. So my most hated place of my body is my stomach area, my midsection. Midsection, yeah. That, for me, is the last place that changes. And that is highly frustrating. But it's one of those factors, it's one of those controllables that I can't control. So I have to then focus on the things that I can control. So I can completely understand how frustrating it would be for women, and I'm sure for men, Matt, you've probably experienced this as well, to be able to look at something that really bothers you a lot and really affects you and to not be able to do anything about it. Uh, I used to be bothered by my height. Really? Yes. But I think that was also uh, a combination of my overall size being heavily overweight. It just meant that I couldn't hide. Are you still bothered by your size? Because just for reference, you're six foot five? Six. Six foot six. Mm-hmm. Six foot six. So you're very tall. Compared to you, I am. Well, compared to the average adult you are, though. Yeah, yeah it's above like, average, yeah. I think yeah. even the average size for a male is, um, is what, six foot to six, in, just over six in, foot? In Australia, I believe it's five foot 11 to six foot, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, so you are above average. And then obviously because you're, do you still get affected by your height? Do no. you feel like, because you do stand out in a crowd. Um, not one little bit, because as I... Uh, learned over time that wasn't the actual issue. What was it? That I was fat. 
Right. So, you, <laughs> so your width was the bigger problem my than width, your height. My, my overall circumference right. <laughs> was the issue um, because it wasn't the height. It's just that I couldn't hide then because ah. I wasn't prepared to do anything about it. But then as I lost the weight, I actually realized, hang on, being above average height is actually a gift. Mm. Do something with it. Mm. So no, I... Um, I've got no problem with it at all. And that's what I learned over time. It wasn't the actual issue. It's what I worried about, but it wasn't the real problem. Hmm. That's interesting. Have you had any personal examples of things that you that affect you that you're unhappy with that you can't change? Uh, <laughs> used to not like being a ginger <laughs> because I had legitimate carrot top when I was younger. Very red hair. Uh, no, it was orange. Orange hair. Very yeah, it was orange, orange hair. but um, really darkened out uh, as I uh, sort of grew up. Yep. And then again, same thing. As I started to lose the weight, I didn't give a shit because again, it wasn't the actual problem. Mm. So like back then, I would pick on myself for every little thing possible, but there was one cause of all of it. Mm. So once I addressed that one cause of all of it, I stopped giving a shit about the things I couldn't control and promised myself to make the most of what I've got. Mm. Um, so I was, when I was at my largest and starting to change, uh, I was indeed concerned about stretch marks because I had a lot. And that technically means I still do have a lot. Mm. And as I was getting larger and expanding when I was younger, they were very, very, very prominent. Like mm. anyone that's had stretch marks will know that when they when they first come in, you can't hide them. No, they're very. I mean, I'm talking, you know, unless you're wearing clothes over them, of course. But though once... they tend to be dark in color. <laughs> dark in color is an understatement. A lot of people stay uh, dark in color, especially especially when you are as see through in terms of skin tone as me. Very so, white. Um, if you haven't, you haven't. You have to see me in face-to-face to get an idea of it. I am a super white dude. Well, most people with red I'm, hair have very white skin. I'm as white as a piece of paper. Like, that's very common. Uh, so then when you have stretch marks coming in and they come in like pink, dark pink, purple. Yeah, very common um, color. Contrasted with paper white skin. Um, let's, let's just say that shorts and t-shirts weren't getting worn, let alone singlets. So I was super concerned about that and embarrassed because obviously, uh, from, from my perspective, I couldn't just say, oh, well, I've got these stretch marks. I don't like them, but guess what? I'm pregnant and this can happen sometimes. Can't really use that line as a male. No. Uh, although as an aside, it'd be cool if I could Yeah. because, well, wouldn't I be special then? Anyway, uh, I was deeply concerned and, and terrified because they were all over my arms, my chest, my stomach, my legs, everywhere. Mm. Uh, and it was a, a real issue that bothered me on a day-to-day basis. And it just added to the, the problem where you don't like what you see in the mirror and then it's, it's only getting worse. Yes. So, but then over time, as I've sort of matured, I've learned that, guess what? That's one of the prices I've had to pay um, for getting to the shape that I was in. But 
um, over time, they faded to the point where you you don't see them. No, you'd have to literally look for them. You've got to look, and you've got to look really, really close. Mm. Um, so I can look at myself and see them, but I know my own body. Mm. But the average person, you're not going to see it unless you come looking for it. Probably the only and time they're a tiny bit more noticeable, tiny bit, is it when you're fake tanned. Yeah. But then in saying that, you'd still have to look for and, them. And you know what else? I don't give a shit anymore. Mm. So what changed? Why? Why don't you care? Um, because I can't control it now. It's it's a price I had to pay. And I do tell a lot of people that if you get yourself into pretty bad condition and then get to work and I'm doing it, there is baggage that will come along for the ride yeah. of some sort, um, be it mental or physical. And this is one of the physical ones, one of the prices I had to pay for my shitty lifestyle when I was younger. Mm. Uh, I just accepted that. And also accepted the fact that I can't control it and I'm better off worrying about the things that I can control to make the bigger differences. So if people see my before and after photos, what I used to be versus what I am now, they're stunned. Yes. Like stunned, that might be an understatement. I, I do tend to, I wouldn't say downplay, but to me it's normal, it's just my life. But to someone who hasn't met me before, my transformation tends to blow them away. But what? who cares about stretch marks? I mean, how many other aspects of my life have been improved? Well, so that, yeah, you, that's good. If you go back um, a few years ago and say to me, here's the deal, big boy, your life's going to look like this, 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 and this in 2018, but you can't get rid of those stretch marks that they're only, they're only going to fade. I will say to you, okay, I'll take that. Mm. So I, I guess you'd say, really, I'm just more of a glass half full kind of person now. Um, and I just don't sweat the small things anymore. Honestly, just don't give a shit because the way I've turned my life around, if the worst thing that's come out of it is having stretch marks that are basically camouflaged with my pasty white skin, um, first world problems. Yeah. Hashtag. And I think that that, is really what it comes down to for anyone who who does suffer from stretch marks and cellulite. I think that obviously cellulite um, tends to be the, the marks in the skin and really usually prominent around the upper leg buttocks area generally. Booty. Generally, as a general rule, that's where it's found mostly yep. uh, on women. With stretch marks, I've seen some women with stre- their stretch marks never fade. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they've always got that sort of more pinkish tone to them. Oh, I didn't know that. But I, I believe there are some things that are showing good signs in that area in terms of making them better. They were should... not curable in terms of completely getting rid of them, I believe. Well, they're like scars. But I believe that there are different products, um, bio oils, things like that, that have been um, shown to have some good results in bringing down the pigment of the colour. Of them, so not making them quite so obvious. I wouldn't mind hearing from someone listening to this show that has had stretch marks for a long-term period of time and what has happened with them. Because I, I honestly just assumed, based on my own personal experience, oh, they must just fade. Yeah, I mean, obviously women who... I could just Google it, obviously. We could just Google it. But it's easier to, uh, well, it's better to hear it. It'd be easier to Google it, but it's better to hear from people, I think. But 
I believe that there are, I could be wrong, but I believe that there are women who do uh, have the pigment, the colour pigment to be a little bit darker for, for a really long time. I think the the reason, real reason that I wanted to do this this podcast, I thought it was really important, were to talk about this issue. And there's no simple answer for it. Like there's no, oh, here, product placement, insert product placement, here, use this product and all of your problems will be solved. But the main focus behind doing a podcast like this was just to start the conversation because I think it's really important to start conversations like this, even well, if you don't have answers for them straight away. But I, I think with this particular topic, it, it is one that I've seen, especially with women, that can be a really big mental battle and and they just don't want to openly talk hey, about um, it. It's not just women, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah, well, good. Is- Men obviously feel it too. I can understand totally the embarrassment that you were describing, Matt, that men would face. Because maybe is there a bit of a stigma around stretch marks that it is more of a woman's thing? Um, that's that's a very good question. I have seen it on plenty of males. I can you know train a trained pair of eyes. I can see them on people pretty easily, and I've seen them on plenty of males. Yeah, definitely that it uh, effect uh, it definitely affects males. But is there a stigma around the idea of stretch marks? Um, which makes it very embarrassing for males to have them. Um, I don't... Possibly, mm. but I think it just comes down to what has caused you to get them in this case. So if a male is going to get stretch marks, it's going to come from one of two things. He's gotten pretty fat pretty fast, or he's put on a lot of muscle rather fast, or he's grown very fast. Mm. It tends to go one of those ways. So... I have seen uh, bodybuilders in the gym that have had some some pretty good results pretty quickly, and have shall we say expanded. Yes. But with um, some muscle growth, and I've seen the stretch marks come with it, and they're in like really really good shape. Yeah. Yep. So I've seen that happen, and it's like, well, I have you know, not my business. I'm not going to ask, so I can't I can't give comment on how they feel about it. Um, I can only speak from the perspective of an overweight male. So to me, that was highly embarrassing mm. at the time and for a long time. But as I said, now it's it's a it price to be paid. Down. It's a price to be paid. Well, I think as well, moving on, just what we're talking about time and uh, people expanding or narrowing with within a certain period of time, I think this is a perfect time to start talking about what you touched on earlier, Matt, which is the, the excess skin. Yep. Now, you obviously lost about 80 kilos, yep. which is a lot of weight to lose. Yep. Did you suffer from this problem? Uh, I The biggest issue that I've had and have is more elasticity. Yes. So the thing is, <clears throat> when you are exceedingly overweight slash obese, the way you lose the weight and the, the length of time that you do it in will have an effect and will dictate on things like excess skin, skin elasticity, etc. You're pretty much going to be guaranteed that if you're on a weight loss journey where you've got a lot to lose, um, you are probably going to come out with it with an elasticity issue. So it's not going to be a massive a massive deal where it just looks off, because I know, for example, with my skin, if you look at it, it doesn't look 
like there's an elasticity issue. Mm. And this is where the podcast medium fails because I can just grab my arm and pull it out. Yes. But when I let it go and flex it, it looks normal. So, so what you're saying is you can pull your skin out easier than the, the average, average person. person. Yeah. Now, obviously, maybe not obviously, um, a fact is as you get older, um, your skin elasticity does change. So it's going to it's going to change regardless. However, when you are losing a lot of weight and you're, I mean, the term I've always used is you're deflating. Yes. It's like it's like deflating a um, a water balloon. Um, you know, you have obviously go through different different shape changes, etc. Um, but there can be effects on elasticity. Now, in terms of excess skin, the the big price to pay is if you do something silly. And attempt to lose a lot of weight in a very short period of time. And that's, um, I'm going to risk us getting sued here. I call that the biggest loser syndrome. I was just about to say, this is where I think the idea of, and the panic from a lot of people that are heavily overweight, when they come to start changing their body shape and losing the weight, I think because the biggest loser and weight loss shows in general like that have been so um, commercial, like they're everywhere. I remember there used to be one like Extreme Makeover or something. Yeah, uh, weight loss edition. And they used to do this extreme weight loss thing, sort of like the biggest loser style. And then they would give them the plastic surgery at the end to cut everything off. Yeah, because the method they use to lose it is means that there's going to be a procedure coming. So um, I know with with a lot of these sort of, let's call them weight loss shows, yes. weight loss reality shows, um, what they're doing to these people, things like two to three um, intense workouts a day, and we're talking heavy, heavy um, calorie restriction is going to guarantee fast weight loss, but is also going to guarantee bags of skin hanging off. So I've seen... Things like, you know, finals, the biggest loser, and, you know, sort of like stories on the contestants afterwards where they've lost half the weight that I lost, but they've got like wings hanging off their arms. Mm. You know, like they're, it, it looks like they're melting. Now, as I said earlier, you, you, if, you lo- if you're starting from a very heavy point, there are going to be some issues that will come along the way, but I think you can limit the damage with how you go about doing it. So fortunately, in my case, and I can't sit here and say, fuck, I was a genius because nothing about me is a genius. (laughs) Um, I was just fortunate enough to hate cardio so much and not think that I had to give up food that I had such a big focus on weight training as well as the aerobic movement, but a big focus on weight training. And I actually increased the amount of, of good healthy food I was eating, which did mean that the weight loss was over a slower period of time. But that's also, I think, what's contributed to me having such a dramatic change is because I wasn't, I never, I didn't come out the other side being a smaller version of my old self, like just a, a shapeless slob. Mm. Um, my whole shape changed entirely as a result, which I think is where a lot of the reaction comes from is like, holy shit. Like, you know, I've changed so dramatically from top to bottom, not just I've gone from a 7XL to a 3XL, but I'm still pretty puffy, you know what I mean? And you've never had surgery? No. 
not skin surgery or anything like that. So that just, it does go to show that you can do it. And it's the same thing with females. I think a lot of females panic and say, yeah, but I'm not going to get the same amount of muscle that Matt's got. So I'm still going to have that look. Yeah, but it's relevant to the individual. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can't just sit there and say, oh, I'm not going to get the same muscle as Matt's got. Like Matt's in Matt's situation, but it's relevant to the person. And I've seen this happen as well um, with transformations we've had with our clients where um, there's been some pretty good changes, to put it mildly, and where are the excess bags of skin? Mm. You know what I mean? Again, it does depend on the person. Uh, I do think there are some people out there that could be starting from such a heavy position that there are going to be issues. Yeah, absolutely. It's, but, it's not foolproof. No, it's, I don't think it is foolproof, but you can limit the damage by not being silly about it and going, well, I'm going to exercise two, three, four times a day and I'm going to eat one time a day. Yes, you'll lose weight, but you're going to pay a big price down the track for it. And that this might be a good chance for me to talk about things like weight loss surgery. Mm. Because things like that guarantee it won't be the only procedure you have. Correct. Um, so whenever, whenever we talk about extreme weight loss via weight loss surgery, which often then is followed by eating very, very little... Um, in a lot of people's cases, not a great amount of movement, but still a very heavy calorie restriction. Um, within probably a year to two of the weight loss surgery comes a number of, of tummy tucks and, and those sort of things as well. Yeah. So, you know, there's certain there's certain things that people do to themselves where it's like, there's, you know, I know myself, there's more going to be coming. Not really my place to say it unless I'm asked for my opinion. But I, I know with, with most weight loss surgeries for a lot of people, there's probably going to be another procedure that comes with it. And that's the trade-off, really, because, I mean, people do these weight loss surgeries for how quick you do lose the weight. And, by the way, can I just say, that's assuming that they actually lose the weight because how True. often have you seen weight loss surgeries do fucking nothing because, and this is a podcast by itself, <laughs> but the issue with those surgeries is they teach a person nothing about their habits and about themselves. So all no. it means is they're eating a lot of shit, just less compared to what they used yeah, to. Just small amounts but then, of shit. Ugh, I mean, I, I risk getting on the soapbox, but then you have the issues where um, people's habits are so out of control that they kind of reverse what the surgery has done. Yeah, I mean, as you said, it's a whole topic on itself. But I mean, I've heard of uh, people in the past who have had the weight loss surgeries and they'll have like a Mars bar and throw it up because they can't keep it down. Oh, well, that's that's a different thing that I'm talking about. I'm talking about um, times where people have had the surgery and have just been continuing to pile junk back into it. And I've seen weight loss and then the weight gain. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's so not It's not foolproof. It's not a foolproof thing. We'll, we'll keep that for another day. But the, It's very, very, very much the opposite of foolproof, but we will. that's for a different day. The moral of the topic here, though, is, is that to say that you can completely control the situation in terms of excess skin, you'd be delusional to say that you could completely control that. No, you, you can't completely control it. You can't completely control any of the stuff that we're talking about. No. Um, and that's... That's where I think one of the biggest things... I, I think this discussion that you've brought up, Courtney, is actually a discussion about self-acceptance. 
It a hundred percent is. Yeah, it hundred percent is, and I think that that's where it comes from a lot because, and that's why it's really important to talk about it and to face these sort of fears or hang-ups that we might have in ourselves because we've all got things, whether it be these sort of three main things that we've talked about or there would be something else we've all got these certain things that we maybe don't like about ourselves I mean it could be anything at the end of the day these are just three examples that I get uh get spoken to about quite often and there are yeah the, really the concerns that we have a lot of clients bring up to us is oh what if I get this what if I get yeah. that yeah so that tends to be really common but I mean that you mean there could be there's so many things out there that you just don't like about yourself I mean your feet might be bigger than you like them to be. Can I can I just say, um, coming from the perspective of someone that was heavily obese and is, is now not, um, trading, trading skin elasticity for everything else I have in my life, um, I call that an acceptable business transaction. True. But I think you made a really good point, Matt, about this this being really a self-acceptance topic it because, is. because realistically I, I, I don't think that you can have truly have confidence until you have some self-acceptance. Uh, you are 100% correct. They go hand in hand and it, it gets easier as you, you know, recognize the good things that you're doing and the steps forward that you're taking. So yeah. that's why I don't have those hang-ups because we'll look at everything else that's gone so well and has changed for the best. You know, we're sitting here recording this podcast as a married couple in our house together. Um, I call that a worthwhile trade-off. Yeah. You know, and the lifestyle that we've got, we get to work with so many awesome people doing our own thing. Um, if you said to me all this was possible when I was younger, but you're not going to have the tightest skin... I would say, fuck yeah, sign me up because it's better than being a fat, miserable diabetic. Yeah, and I think that that's the same, similar with me in terms of the way in which my body changes and the order in which it changes. I'm not always going to be thrilled with that order in which my body changes and the time it takes to do so, but there's nothing I can do about it. And the trade-off is that if you'd asked me five years ago, if you'd like to go through this process, it's going to be hard, it's going to be long and your body's not going to change in the way that necessarily or in the order necessarily that you're going to be happy with. So there's moments in time where you're going to look at yourself and fear that you actually look worse than you did before. But if you stick it out, you're going to look like this in five years' time. Well, that trade-off, I'm the same as you, Matt. That trade-off is well and truly worth it. And not just look like this in five years' time, but then there's also the extra benefits that come with it because you know you look you, if you can somehow have the crystal ball and say you're going to look like this in five ten years time what's what else is going to come with that in terms of relationships um career hobbies etc the things that you're going to have the freedom to do that's that's the discussion that we've brought up a number of times in terms of how your life can change in ways you can't see yeah and i think a lot of people use these worries um and they allow them to hold them back from potentially turning their life around in so many different ways. And I think that they they allow these worries to hold them back from truly gain, gaining complete confidence in themselves. Yes. Because I think that, that that's really important. I mean, you're going through this massive transformation and it's 
fucking hard work. Like, it is hard. This isn't like a walk in the park thing. Like, this is a really hard, hard thing to do. And to come out the other side of it and to still not be able to say, oh, I'm really confident in my body. I have true confidence in myself. That is, that is I, I think, a real shame because you've just put in such hard work that to be able to not to not be out in you you can still definitely still have confidence in your body and there still be things about your body that you'd love to be able to improve if you could 100 percent yes and you that, know that those too. those things can come hand in hand I'm not saying that you can I have a lot of confidence in my body there's still things that I'd like to improve about it there's things that I'd like to improve that I know I'm never going to be able to and the change things the places your eyes go to in the mirror first thing yes yeah but in saying that, with all those things, I still have a lot of confidence in the way that I look. Well, let's, so, be, let's be honest. You are kind of hot. <laughs> everyone that looks, you know, you, you're a modest girl, but everyone knows you're, you're not a bad sort, dear. Not bad, but... I've done all right. There's definitely I? things about my body that I would love to change and that I can't. I'm never going to be able to change it. So then, what tips would you give in this situation? I think the most important thing is to really keep that in mind that in order to have confidence, you really need to work on self-acceptance. Changing your body shape isn't an automatic precursor to having confidence. It most of the time comes with it. I think they definitely do go hand in hand, but But, it doesn't come at once. No, you definitely have to be able to acknowledge self-acceptance on who you are and what your body is giving you to be able to accept the confidence. And I think the really important thing to remember is what I just said. It's not mutually exclusive to say, I have body confidence, but there's still some things about my body that I'd like to improve. Well, I think that's everyone in the gym is there for that same reason. Or that there's things about my body that I would love to be different, but there's just nothing I can do about it. But I still have acceptance of those things and I still have confidence as a result. So it, it's not one or the other, but their self-acceptance is a really big thing that's got to come into it. And I truly think that it's a real shame if you get through the whole process and you don't have that confidence at the end of it because that self-acceptance is such a hang-up. Well, because you're still hung up on the, on other things. I think that it's a real shame. I'm not going to say that the whole thing's ruined, but I just think that it's a real shame. And I don't think that you're doing yourself and any favours by, by being hung up on those things. So, Matt, what would your advice be if someone is hung up on those things, they want to get that body confidence, how would you go about ensuring you can look at that um, self-acceptance control the controllables yeah yeah you say that a lot yeah because it is uh, i do say it a lot because it's true yeah. worry, worry about the things that you have the power to change mm. and that might sound really like simple like you might be someone well, that's listening to matt say that thinking oh yeah 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 it's easy to say that yeah it is but guess what it is simple but it's also the truth. And as, as you get better at, at focusing on the things that are in your hands to change, it gets easier to have self-acceptance. Yeah. A lot easier. So it is a simple thing, but not many people actually practice it. Mm. Um, I've also added a third tip. Oh, yeah. I want to give. 
talking about things in this case like self-acceptance, control the controllables and what we're, we've been on about here for well, almost 40 minutes now. Oh, shit, really? We've done well. Um, one of our favorite sayings, Courtney, that I don't think we've actually used on this podcast yet, uh, keep in mind it is about the journey, not the destination. Yes. Because where, where you start and where you think you're going to go, it isn't going to go the way you think it is. Mm. Um, if you don't quit... And if you keep pushing forward, chances are the journey is going to reward you in ways you could never imagine. Now, that's something that Courtney and I can, you know, you, you and I, Courtney, can speak to this 100%. personally. Um, the things that we wanted to do when we first started individually, how, we, okay, let's, I'll ask you the question. Yeah. How far are you beyond what you initially wanted when you first started? Like, what do you have now? that has come as a result of your transformation that you didn't even think about when oh, you first started? Heaps. Uh, okay, would you like to talk about them? <laughs> oh, well, talk about marriage, travel. Um, what are we doing right now? Podcast, business success in a different industry than I had ever worked in. Well, what, do you, what did you used to do and what do you do now? I used to work in hospitality. I used to work in the wedding industry. And now I'm a gym owner, podcast host, um, online coach, you know, yeah. all these things that I, it's, I mean, it's a completely different field. I never thought that I would have a passion for this industry. I just always thought it was a means to an end. So it, all those things have changed. I think that uh, my social life completely opened up, you know, when you're not afraid to go out, when you're actually look forward to invitations to go out because it gives you a chance to get dressed up. Yeah. Um, shopping, way more enjoyable. Just all over being a much happier, content. And how capable is your body now versus when you first started? Oh, so much so. You know, like to the point where I'll still sometimes get calls from my old manager that's still in hospitality if they're really struggling or something like that or if they've had a heap of staff calling sick and she'll call me and she'll say, oh, do you want to come, you know, help me? We need help. I need help. Save us. Help me. And I'll say, yeah, no worries. You know, like if I'm not doing anything, yeah, I'll come, you know, on a Saturday night or whatever and I'll come and do a shift and help out. And just something as simple as picking up two slabs of beer and taking it to a fridge to restock it, you know? And it seems really simple, but it to me it's just like I'll just pick them up and just take them because, well, one, I'm lazy and I don't want to do true trips if I can just do one. And... um. B, it's just like it wouldn't even give it a second thought, you know, until somebody, one of the other staff members is standing next to me going, oh, whoa, lucky you're here and you can carry those. And I think, wow, you know, like if I wasn't here and I look around, I think, wow, who would carry this? You know, so it's it's just little things that you take from granted as well, like being able to bring the shopping in from the car. In, you know, taking two trips instead of six or something like that, you know, like it's, it's not, they're not huge things. Um, going to the store and picking up a box of kitty litter and carrying it to the, to the checkout, like they just seem like really mundane everyday tasks. But the, the, the difference is I do them now without thinking about them. Yeah, there's been a lot of quality of life improvements. 100%, 100%. So mm. confidence, you know, social confidence, um, quality of life, just putting myself out there way more as well, you know. 
I would never have before put things out on social media the same way that I do now. And to get, I mean, 99.99% of the comments I get are really positive, but sometimes I get something negative. And you know what? (laughs) Now, as opposed to years ago, it just rolls off my, it's just like, oh, what a loser. And I move on. You could give them that response. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> but you know what? It's it's just it, it's it's so many things, and I think that that's a really good point, Matt. Where you, I think maybe we should all sit down and do something like that more often, where we do look back and think about how far we've come in our journeys. Mm. Whether you're at the start of your journey, you're halfway through, you're at the end. Um, maybe to sit back and do something like that that I just did. Think about what you've gained from what you're doing so far. What in your life is better than when you started? Yeah. Career, relationships, friendships, day-to-day um, self, self-acceptance, functional yeah. uh, improvements. So you know, the things that your body can do that it could not before. Yep. Energy, sleep. I mean, that's could, could go on about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a it's a really big thing. I think that's a really good thing to do, Matt. All right. Uh, well done. Yeah. Well, I hope this conversation has helped. As I said, it's not a topic that is easy to give. Uh, answers to because you know it's not like we can turn around and say hey take this pill and it'll fix these sort of things (laughs) but it's just about bringing awareness to a lot of this stuff so if you have anything that you want us to talk about just to bring some more awareness to it or to get a conversation rolling about it then please email us and where can we be emailed podcast at the weight loss podcast.com speaking of which uh we, we have, have an email uh to have a, a chat about this week this email comes from kim thanks kim love thanks. getting emails yes we do indeed love getting emails thank you kim uh i only just found your podcast i love that you both are so relatable and don't judge or try try for perfection well yes and who are we to judge because we're clowns yeah. <laughs> I've just finished episode four and I'm interested to learn a little more about the effects of alcohol on training. Firstly, I know that the occasional drink is fine, but what is your definition of the occasional drink? One Is that one glass of wine a week? Also, when you say that alcohol affects your training and recovery, how long is this for? If I have a massive session on Friday, am I still feeling the effects of the alcohol on the following Monday? Thank you, Kim. All right, Kim, look for episode 28, which is called Five Things You Need But Don't Want to Know About Alcohol, where we really uh, got stuck into it uh, and really unpacked that one. But what I will do um, to help out as well is in the show notes page for this episode at www.theweightlosspodcast.com, I will put some... um, some good academic slash scientific slash research based reading um, that will go into even more in depth details on the effects of alcohol on training and recovery. Um, how long can indeed be days and days and days? Um, the, the short answer to these questions are uh, the definition of the occasional drink, I think, is, is relevant to the individual we're talking about. So if someone, for example, is drinking every single day, um, that could be throwing a spanner in the works if they're interested in weight loss. 
Um, and there could be a similar effect if they're having the binge drinks on the weekend. So the question of um, a massive session on Friday, am I still feeling the effects on Monday? Uh, hell fucking yes, you are. Mm-hmm. Um, have a listen to episode 28 of our fine show. Um, hopefully our one day award winning show. <laughs> set, yes. the goal, set the goals high. Um, but check the show notes page at theweightlosspodcast.com. Um, I will, um, I've got about four or five really insightful and fact-based articles there to have a bit of a read on because, you know, education goes a long way. Yes. Um, so basically, I haven't answered the question at all. Well, to find the show notes page, if you just go to the list of podcasts. Well, theweightlosspodcast.com, it'll be the episode at the top of the page. Yeah, if I you have just them click in, the episode. I have them in sequential order, starting yeah. with the most recent ones at the top. So you'll see it right there. Click the page. Uh, down the bottom of the page, I will have the links to these articles. A fantastic read, um, but I will give you a warning, Kim. If you are quite attached to your alcohol and you are interested in weight loss, you're going to get your eyes opened. Um, I am a reformed heavy drinker uh, back when I was younger. Um, and then when I was, uh, I suppose you'd say, educated and found out what alcohol actually does and how it can affect a transformation. Any wonder I was so bloody unhealthy, to be honest. Um, but have a read, uh, inform yourself, arm yourself with the facts because it goes a long way. And uh, that, as we say, is that. That's a wrap. Courtney, hmm. good job out of you. Good job out of you. Thanks well done. for listening. Um, I might just now go back and edit the intro. No. And take away your <laughs> fucking bullshit just giving me crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is what I married, so I knew what I was getting into. Um, anyway, hope this has helped. That's another show in the tank. We will speak to you soon. Bye. Get more free tips, listen to previous episodes, and contact Matt and Courtney at theweightlosspodcast.com.